Uh, take your Bible and find Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. So tonight we're picking up steam in our series this year through uh, the parables of Jesus. So if you're, again, if you're here for the first time, I'm glad you're here. And just so you know, on Wednesday nights, this whole school year, we're going to be studying through the different parables of Jesus. And uh, yeah, this will be the first, this will be the first, um, first parable we, we studied. Last week we studied, uh, we studied the, the, in this same, in this same, uh, par- the same chapter, uh, we, we studied the purpose of the parables in, uh, in verses 10 through 17. And uh, so we're going to be in that same chapter, coming to the very first parable, uh, the very first parable, uh, the parable of the sower. This parable is, is found in Matthew 13, it's found in Mark chapter 4, it is found in Luke chapter 8. We're going to focus mainly on, um, we're going to focus mainly on Matthew's version of this. And uh, you know what's gonna? You know what I'm about to do, guys. My notes right here. See that right there? I ain't got no notes. We're about to see how well I studied. So anyway, um, let's go. Uh, so let me just say something I didn't say last. Um, last week about parables, about studying parables. So one general rule of thumb that you want to have when you study through parables is to know, like, usually when, when Jesus told a parable, he was aiming at one, one general truth, one main point. So don't, I mean, really, when you study a parable, you kind of you know you've gotten it when you can tell the one thing that he was driving at in that parable. And it could be anything. It could be like, like when he's going to get to later parables in this chapter about, um, well, not just, yeah, like how, how valuable the, 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 the kingdom is, the parable of the hidden treasure, the pearl of great value. That, he's just driving at one. And, and even in... Even in uh, parab- longer parables where you would have like several different elements that you could focus on, um, all of those different elements that you would focus on are all aiming to support that one main point of the parable. And, uh, and you see that uh, here in this parable we're going to study today because you, you don't want to press every little detail of the, of the parable. In this particular parable, Jesus explains it in verses 18 to 23. The parable is in verses 1 through 9. He explains it in 18 to 23, and he tells us those things that we ought to take notice of in the parable, but they all focus on this one main point, and I'll, I'll say what that is in just a moment. But if you found uh, Matthew 13, let's read our passage together. Um, let's read verses 1 through 9 and then 18 through 23 of Matthew 13. So, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And the crowd, the great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat 
and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, uh, and, he, and, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Now other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now jump over to verse, to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Let's pray. Oh Lord, this is what we just read, and every other passage that we're going to make reference to, uh, we confess our faith that it is your holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, clear, authoritative, and necessary word. It is, uh, it is inerrant. It is true in everything that you have put forth in it to be true. It is infallible. It is meaning that it is incapable of leading us astray. It's, it's, it's sufficient for all that we will ever need to know to be saved and to live a life of godliness that pleases you. It's clear. You've spoken to us in these words in ways that we can understand. And even in the harder passages, you've given us another passage usually about the same thing that's much easier to understand that helps us to understand the hard ones. Because it's your word, it's authoritative over us. And it's necessary because if you, haven't, if you haven't spoken to us here in this word, we cannot know you. We cannot find you out. We cannot even search you out. You are infinite and we're finite. So thank you for this word. And I pray that you would give us eyes to see the truth in it. I pray that you would give us minds to understand it and hearts to embrace it and love it wills to obey and heed whatever it is that Jesus calls us to heed in these words. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Give us those ears to hear. And give me the help that I need to teach in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, my notes are back, by the way. Praise the Lord. Um, so, um, whenever you read a parable, just like when you read any passage, 
you need to know a little bit of the context of the parable. Um, and when I say context, you should always, when you're in a passage, what comes before it, what comes after it, why, in this case, why would he put this parable just here? And by, by seeing what is around it, I think you can easily come to what is the main point of this parable that he just said. Um, and, uh, and, and so when we, uh, we're going to see here, it says that same day, that same day, uh, that's the first words of this, and what day is that? Um, well, I, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself, guys. Um, let me just give you, I, I always tell you where I'm going, and then we're going to go there. So here's where we're going. If you're taking notes, we're going to talk about some main elements of this story. And the main point, I'll point out in just a minute when we look at the context, but here's the main points. We're going to look at three elements of this parable, the seed, the sower, and the soils. The seed, the sower, and the soils. Those are the, those are the elements that Jesus highlights here. Each of those elements represents something different, but they are all elements that help you understand this one main point that I will explain in just a minute. That is basically why. Why do some people reject Jesus? Why do some people receive him? We'll see how the context helps us understand that. Um, so, uh, let us begin. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. So that same day, what day was that? That's the same day that was described in chapter 12. We looked at that a little bit last week. Um, chapter 12 of Matthew chronicles basically the Pharisees' obstinate opposition to receiving uh, anything that Jesus said he was or came to do. They were constantly trying to say, hey, you're breaking the law of Moses uh, by, by breaking the Sabbath. They even accused him of being demonic and the power that he was doing his signs was the, by the power of Satan. And Jesus said, that's dumb. Uh, they, they, they say, we want more signs. And he said, I'm not going to give you a sign except for my resurrection from the dead. I mean, they're just constantly rejecting him and, and, and in opposition to him. And it's on that same day that they were doing all of that that he tells this parable, which in context and it's made very explicit in the passage that we studied last week that, uh, that shows why he's telling this parable, that, that he's explaining with this parable, why do so many people reject him? Why do so many people reject him? And so he sat in a boat um, while the crowds gathered around him on the shore. And it, a lot of biblical scholars say that where he was, and where he was in this boat, and people, it was like sort of in a natural amphitheater. So it could have been a lot of people there, and they could have easily heard him. Um, but he sat in that boat, and they gathered around. And then he told them, that he started telling these parables. Matthew 13 has several of these parables that he told in succession. And as we'll see, as we saw when we read it, he used agricultural uh, metaphors. That's what they would have been familiar with. And he says in verse uh, 3 that a sower went out to sow seed. And he'll talk about the different places that the seed fell. Some seed fell on the path. Some seed fell on the rocky soil. Seed fell among the thorns. Seed fell on the good soil. We're going to spend most of our time thinking about these soils because that's where he spends most of his time. But we need to be clear first on the, what the seed is here um, that's being scattered. What does the seed represent? Jesus tells us down in verse 19 uh, that the, the, 
We'll look at that. Well, we'll just look at verse 19 in just a second. I told you Matthew tells this parable, Mark tells this parable, Luke tells this parable. And they all slightly differently say what this seed is. They're not all, they're not, they don't contradict each other, but they put different shades on it. So, for example, Mark simply says, the seed is the word. The seed is the word. That's Mark 4.14. When you go to Luke's gospel, Luke amplifies that. He doesn't disagree with it, but he amplifies that a little more specifically. In Luke 8.11, he says the, the seed is the word of God. That's what he says it is. Now, we're going to see in verse 19 here in Matthew 13 that, that here Jesus is even more specific than that. But that isn't to say we, we shouldn't uh, interpret this at all from the broader vantage point of the seed, that, that the way that Mark and Luke describe it to us. I mean, I do think that the same Holy Spirit that inspired what Matthew says here inspired Mark to say the Word, inspired Luke to say the Word of God, um, and we should take into consideration what they say. Because the way Mark and Luke say it, it's the word. It's the word of God. Then it says the seed could represent anything you find in this book. Anything that you find, this is the word of God. This is the word that he revealed to us. Anything in here. And you share anything in the word with somebody, that, that is an aspect of the seed that he's describing here being sown. Anything in it. But if you look at Matthew 13, 19, and the, a finer point is put on it, and this verse begins, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So that in here, the seed is the word of the kingdom, which is slightly more specific than just anything in the scriptures. Specifically, what it is saying, the word of the kingdom is what it proclaims about Christ. The word of the kingdom would be that Christ, the way that's worded, the word of the kingdom, is, 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 it would, would be to declare that Christ is not only the Savior who would live and die and rise again for the forgiveness of sins for anybody who repents and believes, but the word of the kingdom would proclaim that, but also Christ who is God and Lord and King over all that he made. It's the word of the kingdom. That Christ is God and Lord over uh, all, to whom all who would come to him in repentance and faith must also submit to his lordship, must also submit to his kingship. That, that the word of the kingdom is the call that if you're going to come after me, you must deny himself and take up your cross and follow me daily. It's that call. That's the word of the kingdom. It's, to, it's, it's the call to live according to his word and not according to my will. That's the word of the kingdom. Yeah, coming after Christ will bring you rest. And yet Jesus said, when you come to me, you still must count the cost. So you're coming to him and you find rest in Jesus, but you also must count the cost to follow him. Like before you put your hand to the plow, count the cross. Count the cost. There, 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 there is a, like, just like it was for Jesus, there was a cross before there was a crown. And then we follow in his footsteps. All right, we go through this hard life is the cross before we get to the crown at the end. That's the call. That's the word of the kingdom. Right? 
The, the kingdom of, appears small right now. The church may look beleaguered, but one day, Revelation eleven fifteen says, one day the, 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 the kingdoms of this world are the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. This is the seed of the kingdom that He's talking about that's being sown. This is the seed that we must sow when we, it, when we, we want to, we wanna, to know uh, and we want to share the whole gospel that, that makes it, it clear that knowing Christ is, is to be a part of His kingdom with Him as our King, not, not simply as a believer but as a follower. Like, that's, that's what, it's a simple truth, but that's what he's saying here. This is the word of the kingdom. And I suppose it's worth asking yourself, like, even that when you think about the gospel for yourself, is this the way that you frame it in your mind? Like, is this, Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, the gospel is free, but it's not cheap. It's free, but it's not cheap. Jesus is going to have plenty else to say in the Gospels that this is precisely where many people stumble over Jesus. Uh, He's going to show here a few different ways that it's received. But part of the reason that the Gospel message, the word of the kingdom, garners so many different responses is because the nature of that Gospel message itself. It, it It is a high reward with a high demand. It's a high reward with a high demand. And notice I, I, I said it in that precise order. It's not a, a high demand with a high reward, as if it's something I work for, and if we do get good enough, then we get the reward in the end. No, it's a high reward that was earned for you, and you get that up front through repentance and faith. But when you come to Jesus, it comes with a high demand attached to it. It's a difficult road. Jesus would say, those who lose their lives for my sake will find it. So when we talk to someone about, about Jesus Christ, we don't, it may not all happen in one conversation. But when we talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, we don't need to simply tell half the gospel of what, of what Jesus has done for us to be forgiven of our sins. We have to follow that with his call to follow. That's the whole word of the kingdom. That he is a king, and he's our Lord, and we must follow him. And as soon as you think, well, that's a hard message for somebody to receive. I don't know, I don't know if I want to come to someone with that message. They might not follow Christ if they hear that it's a difficult road that they have to count the cost for. But you need to realize that's what the seed is, and you need to realize who the sower is. Um, if we're clear on what on what the what the seed is, we need to be clear on what the sower is. Now. This, this may, if we talk about who the sower is, this may surprise what you may assume about who the sower is. So Jesus said a sower went out and sowed all that seed that fell in different places. So who's the sower? Even when you look in the, the explanation that he gives in verses 18 to 23, he never explains who the sower is. So who is the sower? And before I try to answer that in, in the scriptures, let me say that I think, I think we often assume that when we think about this parable, um, we often think about this parable in terms of evangelism. And, uh, and, and so we immediately come to this conclusion. I'm the sower. We're the sower. 
if the seed is the gospel message, if the seed is the, if, is the me- message of the, the word of the kingdom that we're, that we're spreading, if, if, if that's what the seed is that we just described, if it's the word of God, we're the ones with the message. I'm the one with that message. I'm the, and I'm the one and we're the ones that have a great commission to go share it. Let me, let me be quick to say, that's not wrong. That's not wrong. It's incomplete, though. It's incomplete. Um, because it is not exactly what is said here. Who's the sower? Here. Uh, it's not exactly that, that. I'm not the one that Matthew 13 says the sower is. You're not either. If, it is true that neither the parable nor the explanation tells us who the sower is, but if you keep looking down in Matthew 13, all the way down when he's talking about the parable of the weeds in verse 37... Notice what he says in verse 37. The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The Son of Man is the sower. That's interesting, isn't it? That's not us. Certainly not me. Jesus is the Son of Man. And so first and foremost, and it's something I think that needs to challenge our immediate assumptions in a good way. Um... Jesus is the sower. Not me, not you, not us. He's the sower. But if, if that's all I say too, that's also incomplete. It's not wrong, but it's incomplete. Because it's also true that Jesus has now ascended back to the right hand of the Father, and He has left us with His gospel and His great commission for us to take the message and sow the seed. Right? But it's not an either-or. It's not an either-or. It is true that Jesus, the Son of Man, is the sower, and it's true that I'm the sower. Both are true. It's not an either-or. It's a both-and. How do you think about that? Think about what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We're ambassadors for Christ. God is making His appeal through us. When we sow the seed, Christ is sowing the seed through us. That's what I'm saying. I think that's what the Scriptures are saying. We are sowing for Him. He is sowing through us. Why is this a point worth bringing up? Because we're not out on an island all by ourselves when we share the gospel. Like, we are with Jesus when we share the gospel. And He is speaking through me when I share. Like, and that is precisely, that is precisely why you should never give in to the temptation to shy away from calling people to follow, to leave your life. Leave your life and follow Jesus. You should never shy away. Leave your life and find a new life in Jesus Christ. You should never shy away from that just because you think that's a harder message to accept. That's a harder message than free forgiveness. Right? Because first, free forgiveness, that's just that's only half of the word of the kingdom. Right? Which would produce only half a disciple, which is not a disciple. But second, that word of the kingdom 
As hard as it may be to say, you think you're happy in your life, but I'm telling you, you need to leave your life and find your life in Jesus. That, that message has the very voice of Jesus in it that can change a person's heart in a way that you never could. Jesus held the bar of discipleship and, 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 and calling high. It's a high reward that comes with a high demand. But when we're faithful to bear witness to Christ, we can know that he is, he is the one sowing his seed through us. The Son of Man is the sower, even when I'm the sower. And that brings us quickly to the last part of this passage, which is the various responses that we can expect to meet when the, 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 uh, the word is scattered far and wide. The, the seed will inevitably fall on different kinds of soil. So think with me quickly about the soils. And we've already read and, and I've already pointed out that the seed in Jesus' parable falls on four different types of soil. It falls on the path, it falls on rocky soil, it falls on thorny ground, and it falls on good soil. Very obviously, three of those are not good, right? And the last one is. Somebody, sometimes you might hear somebody say, well, this shows you that, that um, for every four times you share the gospel, three times they're going to reject it, but, but every four times you, you know, somebody's going to respond, well, I'm not sure Jesus told us this parable to give us a mathematical formula for evangelism, but simply to show that there's a variety of responses that you're going to get. And, and a lot of the, most of the reactions that you're going to get are people rejecting him. Like, that's just it. But nevertheless, some don't. If you think carefully about the reasons he gives, though, uh, and of the different soils, that he, that, that what they represent, it, it's not always immediately apparent what kind of response you're getting. Think carefully about that. I think another point that Jesus makes is not it's like, okay, of the four, three reject and one accepts. I think if you think about what he's saying, he's also saying you can't immediately tell how they respond. Right? Um, Dan Doriani, in his commentary on, on Gospel Matthew, I think he gives a helpful summary of what these different soils represent. He says the seed that fell on the path, he says that represents deaf listeners. Deaf listeners. That's the seed that fell on the path. The seed that fell on the rocky ground, he's going to say, represents superficial listeners. Superficial listeners. So that's the path and that's the rocky ground. Deaf listeners and superficial listeners. The seed then that he's going to say that falls on the thorny ground, he's going to call that distracted listeners. Distracted listeners. And then the fourth one on good soil are fruitful listeners. And for, for time's sake, we can't camp, on, uh, camp out on each of these very long, but I do want to say something about each. Jesus makes it clear in, in, in all uh, the, the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, that the seed, the seed on the path that the birds come and immediately eat represent people from whom Satan immediately snatches the word as soon as they hear it. 
In other words, what, what does that look like in real life? They never once seriously entertain it. Like, for one, by the way, I mean, that's what Jesus says. <laughs> the evil one, that's verse 19, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. If, any, if that teaches you anything, it teaches you that talking to somebody about Jesus is a conversation of a completely different nature than talking to somebody about Auburn's football game this weekend. Um, I could go up to somebody on the concourse and, and persuasively and, and energetically tell them I believe in unicorns, and nobody's going to care. But if I do the same with Jesus, it has an edge to it all of a sudden. Right? That's because different things are at stake. Like, there's an enemy at work in one while he is happy for you to talk about the other. Auburn or unicorns. But you see, you see this one at work perhaps most often. When you share the gospel and you can, you can just see there's like no movement going on in the person. I mean, you, you could have said anything. There's just, there's just no movement whatsoever in the person hearing the gospel. It's as if they don't even hear it. They're not processing. They're not commu- they're not, it's not computing with them. They don't want to hear Or they do understand. They just don't want to hear it. Like, they quick, or you start talking about this, they quickly change the subject. Or they just shut it down. That one you can tell where, how they're responding. But Jesus says there's going to be others who will initially respond positively, but for different reasons will end up in the same place as well. Um, and he gives two examples of that, which Doriani calls superficial listeners and distracted listeners. Both of those initially respond well. Um, Jesus says, he literally says about the superficial listener, he says the superficial listener receives it with joy. Receives it with joy. And he says of the distracted listener, that's the one that fell on the thorny ground, well, he hears the word. Well, presumably this one hears the word in a different way than the, than the, 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 the deaf listener did which was not at all. So both of them start out well, but for different reasons, don't continue. The rocky ground, superficial listener, Jesus says, doesn't have any kind of root in him. And he says, as soon as hardship or difficulty comes along, he says in verse 21, he falls away. It's interesting when it says immediately he falls away right there. That, that Greek word that's translated there, fall away, it more literally means he takes offense. He's offended. He takes offense at... What, what, as soon as hardship comes, he takes offense. What is it, he ta- why would he take offense at... Jesus. Why would he take offense at the gospel? Um, that's what Jesus means by he has no root in it. What it means is, I think what I think Jesus means is, this person heard the gospel, and what he heard, he responded well to. What he heard, what he understood, he received with joy, but he never had a truly fun, sound understanding of the gospel, of the gospel call. 
and hence that person was never truly born again. You hear people, where do you see this in real life? When you start talking to somebody about Jesus and somebody says, I, I tried Christianity before and it didn't work. What? <laughs> I tried Christianity before. It didn't work? It didn't work. Like, what that tells me is they followed Jesus for the wrong reason. And what they were hoping to get out of it, it didn't happen. But it never promised to give what they were hoping to get out of it. Like, they, were, they followed Jesus for the wrong reasons. They, they initially followed. But as time went on, it became apparent, especially if hardship comes and this is how they react, that they followed Jesus for the wrong reasons, with the wrong expectations. And hardship was the biggest stumbling block in the revealer of motives. This is like, that's why they, they're offended. They're offended at God. Hey, I followed Jesus and this happened. They're offended. But for the thorny ground, distracted listener, it's not hardship that's the biggest stumbling block. It's not hardship that's the revealer of wrong motives. Jesus says, in verse 22, fruitfulness in following Jesus is choked out by, and look what he says, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. This is not hardship. This is wealth and success. Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, Mark 4.19 adds this one, desire for other things. Desire for other things. Luke 8.14 adds this one, the pleasures of life. So this person hears the word, follows Jesus, but what eventually chokes it out? You put the three together, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, the pleasures of life. In other words... They initially saw Jesus for what they could receive from Him. But because their pleasure was their own idol, they were blind to the cost of following Jesus. Right? And, it, and they didn't continue. But I need to say this. Both, both of those, superficial listener, who when hardship comes they fall away, Distracted listener. That when things are going good, they just forget about God. Both of those take time to see and notice. That's not, you can't see that when you first share the gospel with somebody. When you first share the gospel, you feel like they trusted Christ. You know? But it takes time to see that that hardship they're going through, they seem to be falling away. Or they seem to be mad at God. Or, or that they're just, they're just comfortable with their stuff. And they're just in love with their stuff. They love things. They love pleasure. They love whatever. And they're just sort of flaking off. It, it takes time to see and notice. And this is why discipleship is so important when somebody professes faith. Because otherwise, we may never see it in a person. 
That's also why, by the way, you need to try very hard not to... Big churches aren't bad. I mean, I don't think this is a small church. Big churches aren't bad, but you don't need to be a part of a church where you can just be anonymous. Because you could be the, the superficial or the distracted listener. You could be falling away, and nobody would know. And you think you're okay. We need to be part of a, a church where we know each other. And somebody could spot it in me. And they care enough to talk to me about it. Well, the last example Jesus gives is the fruitful listener. This is the one who hears the word and understands it and bears fruit. I just think this, is, this ends in a, an encouraging way. He says, what was on good soil? This is the one who hears the word and understands it. And he indeed bears fruit and yields. 160, 30. Sometimes we're prone to see that and bearing fruit, and I feel like, man, I'm just not, I don't feel like I'm bearing a lot of good fruit right now. What, 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 what fruit am I bearing? What fruit am I producing right now that will make me feel better about myself when I read this? It's not a wrong question to ask. It may not be the healthiest way to only think about it. Listen to the way Luke says that same thing in his gospel. This is Luke 8.15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in a good and honest heart and bear fruit with patience. Hearing the word, they hold it fast in a good and honest heart, and they bear fruit with patience. Luke 8, 15. Man, just tease that one out. The, the good soil is somebody who holds, the, holds the, the word of the kingdom. They know that the gospel is, is the offer of free salvation to everyone who repents and believes, and, and I, I received that, and because God has given that to me, I happily leave the life that I was investing my life in. I'm going to pursue Jesus. I want to follow Him. And, and you genuinely, with a good and honest heart, you hold that. That's what you believe. You want to follow, and you want to bear fruit. But you understand also that Christ is going to take your... He's going to take your whole life to sanctify you the way that He wants to sanctify you. You know? He's going to take your whole life to do it. You're not as sanctified today as, as, you, as you're going to be one day. You may see gaping, gaping gaps in your sanctification. And that's, you don't need to ignore it until you get older and then He'll deal with it. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying you may not find progress at the pace that you want to find it. Right? He's not done with you. That's why he says, that's why Luke says, that person not just hold it fast with a good and honest heart, but they bear fruit with patience. 
bear fruit with patience. Like, understand that Christ is going to sanctify you your whole life long. And, there, and, and, and there's much fruit that He will bear in you and through you in time. And it takes patience. You know? God's going to use all sorts of means to do it. He's going to use your friends. Some of you, some of you, you know, um, he's going he's gonna to do a work of sanctification in your life through the person you marry. You ain't even dating anybody yet. But, but you're going to marry somebody. Marry somebody godly, by the way. You know, you might, dudes, guys, you might marry, some, you might want to marry somebody just because you're very physically attracted to them. Newsflash. Gravity wins. It does. Now, I'm not saying that your wife's going to turn ugly. You're not, she's not. You're going to turn ugly too. It's not, it's, it's not going to be about physical attraction anymore one day. Like, it's not just going to be just, that's a shallow reason. Marry somebody who's godly. Who is godly. Who's going to point you to Jesus and who's going to be a means of the Holy Spirit and you're not going to sanctify you. If I had not married Laura, I'd be a wretch. He's going to sanctify you through your kids. He's going to sanctify you through your bills. He's going to sanctify you through car trouble. He's going to sanctify you through moving. He's going to sanctify you through your job. He's going to sanctify you through losing a job. He's going to sanctify you through all kinds of stuff. He's going to produce all kinds of fruit that you can't even, you don't even know that that fruit's out there to be had. He's going to do it. It's going to take your whole life. Bear fruit with patience. And that reminds us that even when following appears hard, we will still find his yoke easy and his burden light. And when we are frustrated with the fruit in our lives or perceived lack thereof, Jesus says, be patient. Well, this parable is a good encouragement to be ready with the gospel. The whole gospel. Not that Jesus saves. He, he, he forgives those who repent and believe. But he calls us to leave our old life and find a new life in Him, following Him. And that's a hard work, road to walk sometimes. But he, He's going to speak through you when you speak. Yeah. It's also a good warning to us, by the way. Even if we're good soil to fight superficiality and to fight distraction in our own walk with Christ. And it's a good comfort that we can be patient in His work with us. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for this parable. Um, as we start, as we think about these parables this year, and, 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 and these parables basically give us a window into life with Jesus in His kingdom, uh, this parable starts at the beginning and how do we how do we come into that kingdom how do we how do we enter that kingdom 
I don't know everybody in this room. Lord, I, you do. I don't know everybody in this room. I don't, I would not be surprised if, Lord, if there's somebody here who um, has never really repented of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ and said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to find life in Him. And I, pray, I pray that if, if, uh, if there's somebody like that tonight, I pray that they would come find me or find Katie or find their missional community group leader. Yeah. Lord, I pray for believers in this room that uh, you would make us bold with uh, and unashamed of the gospel, knowing that, Lord, you are, you are speaking through us. You are sowing seed. You are the one sowing the seed through us when we speak. And uh, thank you that uh, we, can, we can pursue faithfulness and bearing fruit with patience because you're patient with us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.